On this episode of AV Week, we talk the new Microsoft Teams configurator, post-pandemic office design, and Alexa in your hotel room. All this and more on this episode of AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 569. We're all legends. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Crestron. Welcome to this episode of AV Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the AV industry. I'm your host, Matthew Scott for avnation.tv. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by three of my good friends. First, we have Charmaine Trulet. She is a business development manager at QSC. How are you doing, Charmaine? I'm great, Matt. How are you? Great. I, I was going to attempt the, the proper Spanish pronunciation, and then I just said no. Oh, you mean the Torreya? That's the one, yeah. That's the one, yeah. Torreya's yeah, no. fine. I, I figured I could butcher it, and yeah, but why? <laughs> Thank you for being here. Then we have our good friend, Frank Pisano. He is the VP of Sales for the Americas for BrightSign. How are you doing, Frank? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. And last but certainly not least... One of my longest standing friends in the business, Kirsten Nelson. She is a legend in the industry. See, I told you. Uh, she's also a freelance writer. Everybody knows you. How are you doing, Kirsten? I'm doing well. How are you today? I am doing fantastic. It's Friday, which is a good day. Because normally I do these on Mondays, and it's the start of the week. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's kick this off with a story that comes to us from AV Interactive. Uh, Microsoft has announced a Microsoft Teams Rooms tool, or sorry, tour tool. Obviously, they didn't talk to marketing about that one. Uh, what this is, is it's an online tool. You can go in and select the room size that you're looking for, and it will show you a selection of uh, equipment that is all certified for Microsoft Teams that fit into those rooms in those spaces uh, to, to hopefully help you get down the road to building out your huddle room or your your regular or large conference room. Um, Charmaine, this is not the first time we've seen configurators like this and, and things that help uh, end users select products, etc. But Microsoft is a pretty big player to be getting into this space. Usually it's a it's a third party vendor or honestly, an integrator who comes out and says, hey, you know, Use this tool to help figure out what you need, and then we'll help you take this a step further. Having Microsoft do this themselves, and obviously only including certified Microsoft products, what does that do to the end user when Microsoft is essentially going to give you a shopping list of, for the most part, pretty much everything you need to get that room accomplished? Does it does it eliminate the need for an integrator for a lot of companies? No, I, I, good question. Don't, it doesn't. I looked at the list and it looks like it was the what's newly certified with Microsoft. When, when I looked at the list, I said, you know, um, there's a lot of things certified, Microsoft certified in terms of products. A lot of products, a lot of manufacturers have Microsoft certified products. So for, it was interesting to me that Microsoft wanted to kind of publish something that we're going to help give you this guide and get into the integration side. Um, 
when there's so many other manufacturers that are there that are also integrating Microsoft Teams with their products. So I think that it's a good suggestion on Microsoft's part, but I don't think you should, uh, a, a user should lean into it too deeply because Microsoft is a software uh, company in essence for the most part, mm -hmm. yes. They do produce, you know, the Surface Hubs and stuff, but they, you know, they are not, you know, familiar with all the different pieces in the AV game. So again, a nice suggestion, that article, I, I would take it as a, a nice, oh, that's a suggestion, but, mm -hmm. you know, we're either a financial, a pharma, and depending on industry, we have these requirements, that requirements, network. That is not, you know, Microsoft does not want to get into deeper conversations depending on industry, nor can they, nor do they have a business unit that can help you. And I know this coming from IT reselling Microsoft <laughs> for 10 years and then coming to AV on the IT side, you know, when they had Link and Skype for Business, you know, customers needed to integrate that with their hardware and Microsoft just didn't have the team, the department, they would have to recommend third-party people on the IT side to do it. So it's the same situation from my standpoint. You're still going to need that third party integrator to help you. And you should always, you know, make sure you have one, you know, to go deeper into what you need to do for your organization. Yes, yeah, really good point. Frank, from, from the manufacturing side, the, the concern I get every time I see a configurator by anybody is there's obviously you know, there, there's a reason companies get their products certified. There's a reason why sometimes products that work really well in that solution aren't certified. And typically, even as, as integrators like, like myself, we don't know why one product is certified and one is not. I typically allude it to, you know, somebody paid for that certification, but notwithstanding. Um, what does this do to manufacturers that aren't in that certification program or they have products that aren't in the certifi certified list, but work really, really well. Does this downgrade them at all? Uh, I think it does a little, but I also would take that with a grain of salt. I think so many folks are coming out with configurators. You mentioned it. I mean, everyone's coming out with a configurator because everyone's trying to make the end user uh, you know, journey a little bit easier, right? And mm -hmm. the end users are already getting so much of their information before they even get get into and talk to a salesperson i mean i mean all the stats are looking like it's going more and more so they're all becoming educated so i don't blame microsoft for actually doing what they're doing it makes a lot of sense they're just trying to educate it, uh, the end users but matt to your point i mean if you're not on that list it, you you probably are you know drawing a little bit behind i don't think it's mission critical but it is something that microsoft probably wants um folks to to get to get uh to get certified and and uh get up to speed i actually just think it's a tool that they're trying to get in front of end users to make them more educated and and make their decision towards microsoft teams rooms instead of zoom i mean i i will tell you that in, in my daily interactions so many teams calls and zoom calls and and people have choices and i think microsoft is doing a really smart thing just to trying to get a leg up Kirsten, uh, one one thing before we we head on to our next topic. One thing that always con concerns me with this, 
uh, or, or with this concept is to Frank's point, end users want to learn more. They want to know more and, and be better educated going into that meeting, hopefully with an integrator. In my experience, that education is usually not qualified. So they've read something online, they've Googled something, got sent to a stinking Amazon link, and all of a sudden you're quoting a professional system and they've found something that may be quote unquote certified, but that's how you end up with, you know, like a, a, a Google um, bridge in a room that seats 40 people because somebody saw it and that's the great solution. We got to do it. Is there a concern that there's not always a lot of qualification to these, that it, it, it's such a simplified process, which it has to be to, to make the configurator work, that sometimes you're, you're just giving that, that end user too much information. Um, no, I think kind of to everyone's point, this is kind of a good configurator, almost as like a, the gateway drug to a, to a better meeting room system, you know, like people <laughs> can try to configurate all day, but these are kind of the rooms that no one in the AV industry wants to do. And let's be honest, probably people in offices might not even want to have, like this might be your entry level. Like let's say an office manager is told to make that room ready for video calls. So this is where they begin. Um, but if this is where the conversation begins, I think kind of like what Frank was saying, like the user gets a little bit educated and they start learning what else is possible. Um, but yeah, I think this is like the entry level and then we go from there. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of a good entrance point. And I think to what Frank and Charmaine are saying, there's a lot of other choices out there too. Uh, I think most offices, at least from what I've experienced and even what you know Frank was mentioning is everyone's on in and out of all these different meeting rooms all day. So Microsoft Teams might think that they're gonna be the only one, but <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that every office, especially when I talk to like the major architecture firms, they're talking about how, having to configure these rooms with a full suite of tools. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. So it's going to be, there's going to be these curators. That's kind of what I've been hearing is these vision, these people who help decide what that meeting room should be for what the next meeting is. There's definitely going to be an endless array, sort of a Swiss army knife. So yeah, I think this is just step one for some people and it just starts the conversation. I, I love the concept of Microsoft thinking they're the only people in the room as that's typical. One thing I wanted to add into, because I agree with you, Crystal, on that, the BYOD. Now clients, they don't want to just have it Microsoft certified. They want everything. Google, mm. Zoom, you name it. So that appliance can't only just be about Microsoft certification, right? So that's another thing that a lot of clients are doing. Yeah, that's a really good point. All right, let's change topics for a moment. Talking about uh, offices, this comes to us from Fast Company inside the post-pandemic office, more stairs, better acoustics, and wiggle rooms, which I know got everybody excited. Uh, this is coming from a, uh, a survey of architects, designers, and companies by the furniture maker Kai, uh, found that they're looking for more diverse workspaces, including uh, a, a whole bunch of different things. So read through the article, it's, it's really good. They're essentially pulling away from this that organizations are, are realizing that they need to be a little bit more uh, deliberate and, and flexible and saying that, you know, focusing on well-being is is really important. And it goes beyond just throwing, you know, some coffee tables and, and some couches uh, into that workplace environment in, in the place of a couple, uh, you know, 
of those cubicles that they pulled out. Frank, I want to start with you on this. One of the quotes that that came out of this that I really liked was that there's a there's a shift from wellness to overall well being, and they're talking about it kind of in in case of a a, a couple applications, but uh, essentially that there's there's only so much you can do on the surface, and that's where the the couches and coffee tables come in. And you have to be a little bit more deliberate to make that effective. Is this is this a trend that that you see continuing and growing beyond the the most forward thinking companies that are that are willing to invest into this? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think the the really cool part for me is I've been working in sales for twenty plus years, so I'm a I'm a home office guy for the most part, but I do manage people that go into an office. And that is, you know, part of the culture that they operate in. I mean, some companies are doing, you know, beanbag chairs and ping pong tables and, you know, stocking their their shelves with really cool foods and stuff. But at the end right now, what we're seeing is the hybrid workplace is the biggest impact that we've seen on growth and even signage. So it's been nice for us, but they it's not just the signage. Obviously, they got to they got to outfit their their offices with a lot of different things like furniture, like the article talks about as it applies to the AV world that we're doing is that's where the momentum shift is where we're seeing because it's not, you know, not everyone's going in the office at one time. So that mm-hmm. lobby or break room are not actually like the most key critical elements anymore. Um, whether it's corporate higher ed healthcare or any of those, the growth that we're seeing in is, is going through the roof. And I think a catalyst of that is the pandemic because people are adapting to the hybrid workplace or learning place is what we're seeing um, surge, right? So you're bringing, you know, we bring a lot of flexibility with open architecture, design, scalability to allow you to go both to your workstation and to signage throughout the building. Why that's important in this new day and age is virtual receptionist, right? You're not always having somebody at the desk anymore. Um, so, so there, you know, there's a lot of different areas or occupancy sensors, metrics and analytics, uh, hot desking, hoteling, like all of these things are huge trends right now. Wayfinding goes into that, right? You obviously have to know where you're going to go. And, you know, we're able to, to do a lot of things through technology to make sure that people are going to be six feet apart and we still have the, you know, analytics and all of that stuff that go along with that. So. Um, some, and then obviously you're starting to see that too, is if it's a hybrid workplace, maybe you need power BI dashboards. So folks that are in the office and working remote could still all be engaging just like they were if they were all under the same roof. So it's actually an interesting, uh, I thought the article was really interesting, but mm-hmm. you know, everything that we're doing as far as employee engagement through what we're operating in an AV is is been critical and luckily digital signage kind of helps a lot of that and on that journey yeah, that's a good point kirsten one of the things that i i, I loved seeing in this article was there they talk about how architects and designers are reported to be getting way more requests to design offices with the, the holy grail for us some actual acoustic privacy and gosh thinking of acoustics for once is this is this going to last? Is this something that, like, we have talked about this? Heck, I think I wrote about this for you years ago. That you do actually have to think about acoustics. They're finally starting to get it. How excited should we be about this? 
I think we're allowed to start finally getting excited about it <laughs> because, yeah, I, I really feel like for once the connection is being made between human comfort and acoustics. <laughs> um, I, I think it used to be such an abstract concept back in the day before all this when uh, mm -hmm. it was about cramming more people into open plan spaces, which every single study says nobody likes an open plan office. Uh, it's not just introverts that suffer, it's everybody who suffers. Focus suffers. Um, now we're sort of, I think people are reimagining why people would show up into a, a space to be together. And I think to be in that space together is all about communicating. And it's not about putting on your headphones and trying to block out all the terrible noise around you. It's about being able to be in a space, be comfortable, communicate with people out loud. So yeah, I'm pretty sure that when we talk about wellness and well-being, um, it's about how people feel in a space. And if they feel constantly inundated by noise, they're not happy. And so yeah, maybe, maybe it's our mission too, to get out there and say, hey, one of the other problems you're dealing with is acoustics. <laughs> like, try mm. to draw attention to that and make sure that it, it gets done the right way. So, Charmaine, let, let, let's wrap this up real quick with you. One of the things that, when I, when I read articles like this, one of the things that concerns me a little bit is typically, th there's always a finite budget for a renovation going into an office, right? When they were, when, when architects and designers were building our traditional spaces. They were taking a vast majority of that, that budget for the design of the space, the fixtures for the space. AV would typically take a back seat behind, of course, IT. As they're now getting, uh, as this report says, into even more complex spaces and more, more things coming in, and, and they mention wiggle rooms, which are like these little phone booth pod things that I don't think anybody under the or over the age of 25 ever wants to work in. Um, but they're going to be spending even more money into these things. Cubicles are honestly pretty cheap, all things considered. Um, what does that do to our budgets? Is that something that we need to continue to make sure that we as an industry are in front at the time of design saying, yes, as you're doing this, you got to make sure that you're scaling appropriately so that at the end of the day, it's not, again, coming back to that mediocre room. Yeah, I think you even have to get way ahead before design, you know, and that's the thing that our industry doesn't do very often, like mm -hmm. beyond before you even think of design, when the concept, get them where they're trying to conceptualize, for example, when COVID was happening, return to work policy, that's a new term. What's your return to work policy? I started using that a lot in, in 2021. And I was like, oh yeah, we have one. We're thinking of this, this, that. And we don't know how we're going to reconfigure everything. Okay, let me help you. So if we get in ahead of time before then, you know, I've spoken to a lot of customers in that year. Customers uh, and users wanted to get ahead of it to incentivize workers to come back by creating a space that made them want to come back, uh, mm -hmm. you know, oh, you could bring your kid twice a week. Let's create a space that enables that and gives a place for the children and children of employees, you know, because, you know, home care is now different past COVID, right? And there's not a lot of home care workers, most retired or switched to other jobs. We might need to stay home or let's bring them to work and have a safe space for that. Or 
someone who's psychologically affected due to what they may have gone through during COVID. They need some siloed space within the building to just, you know, be at peace, to meditate or to just work in a, you know, solitude, a fortress of solitude of some sort. Um, because there's a lot of, you know, psychological PTSD that a lot of employees may be experiencing. So if we can get in at that place of concept before the design and help them figure out, A, what their workflow and environment are like. Is 40% of your employees have kids and now, you know, they're used to working from home and, you know, not paying extra for childcare with inflation and all, you know, figure it out so we can help you figure out the right kind of reconfiguration and we can help you with that design. I think that's where yeah. we need to be. Yeah, love it. All right, let's hit our last story of the day real quick. This comes to us from aviation.tv. Amazon and LG collaborate in a groundbreaking Alexa for hospitality integration with LG, Ho LG Hotel TVs. Uh, if, if you miss this, under their powerful WebOS smart TV platform, uh, there is now a integration with Alexa direct in the room. Uh, it'll also work on, on some of the older TVs at, as long as they're running WebOS 6 or 5, where you can add a mic array on top and essentially in your room, you can say, hey, Alexa, raise the thermostat, order me wings from, you know, downstairs, uh, you know, whatever else you would use Alexa for in a hotel room. I honestly don't want to know. Um, Kirsten, <laughs> let me start with you on this one. This is, to, to my knowledge, this is the first time we're seeing a kind of widespread pilot project of Alexa in a, you know, some form of corporate or hospitality environment. Um, again, that's not like some boutique hotel thing uh, across the board where, you know, pretty much anybody can do this if they're running LG and if it's, uh, again, one of the newer, newer models, they can add this into a hotel room. What does this mean for potential Alexa adoption into the industry as a whole uh, for other suppliers for, for hospitality uh, and commercial in general? Is, is this that, that, that starter that's going to kick this off? Yeah, I think so, because I think that, um, well, it's another gateway scenario, right? <laughs> Everyone's using voice um, in every scenario now, and they're really comfortable with it. You know, people who have Alexa or Siri and everything in their lives, they walk into rooms already and accidentally say things like, you know, uh, Alexa, adjust the lights. You know, they, they get used to that stuff. Alexa, turn on the lights. So I think it's kind of funny. You're kind of just playing to the instinct of people who already live with these voice control systems at home. But um, you're also accessing a whole new market of people who use voice all the time on their phone. So they mm -hmm. almost expect to interact with their room this way. And when, when they're invited to do that, I'm assuming there's some sort of onboarding thing, you know, to let people know. Because I noticed that actually um, Amazon was smart enough to offer a mute option <laughs> for those people who don't want to be spied on in their room. Because there, there are people who, you know, don't want, you know. And actually, I noticed that the privacy is emphasized, that, you know, the hotel won't have access to the recordings. You know, they, they've addressed everything in this. It's almost like they're ready for commercial because they're addressing those really big concerns um, right out of the gate. Like, hey, we're going to put this in your room, but don't worry. <laughs> We've already thought about the following. So, yeah, I, I think voice is the future. So I am just because it's naturally what people are gravitating toward. And I'm, I'm seeing other new cool things now where there's going to be world building done with voice, you know, all this 
so much of the metaverse is going to be controlled by the voice. Um, so I think it's just a natural thing that we're going to see in rooms. So yeah, maybe. I'm 100% a skeptic on the like, it's safe, quote unquote. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> it's private. <laughs> yeah, but that's just my inner inner skeptic coming up. Uh, Charmaine, my concern with this, beyond the, the security and the privacy aspect, which I'm not going to go down that wormhole today because um, we do not have the time. My concern with this is thinking about hotelers and their staff. And I think about the times that I've been in a hotel room and had a TV just not work, right? Cable doesn't work, right? And I'm trying to catch ESPN in the morning because y'all have it there in America and it's nice. Uh, up here, we don't. And I call down to the desk and say, hey, my TV doesn't work. And they send up someone who picks up the remote, does exactly what I did and went, oh, we don't know. We're going to have to call somebody. And then they walk out. Will this not just highly complicate that service issue? <laughs> depends on how it's implemented by the hotel. And again, brilliant that Alexa, I mean, for me, AI, Alexa is one of the smarter AIs out there. It learns fast, faster than some of the other AIs that we have been using. Alexa's really strong and smart. It's getting smarter and smarter and faster and faster by the day. So the fact that LG was brilliant enough to use that AI, I, kudos to them. Um, will it complicate things? It depends on how it's implemented. You know, it's not an out-of-the-box solution. Like if you're a hotel chain and you want to implement and swap these out and you want to create a support portal, you know, through the web, uh, web OS system with LG and it goes to a, a support desk and they can remote in and monitor which you can do, you know, with the LG displays, you can remote in and monitor and see what's wrong if it's remote or whatever. Um, if it's implemented in a fashion where that's in consideration, that support desk portal aspect, it may not be that complicated. But if it's not factored in, right, if it's just, okay, we're just going to swap TVs in and out of the box and expect it to do what it's supposed to do and not complicate it, then that's, that's going to be complicated because there are other things. <laughs> you know, that it's just the way it is. It's not an out-of-the-box um, solution. There's, oh, again, this is why integrators will never be, will never be out of work because an integrator can help with that. Um, those little gotchas that you don't think about, you know, like you said, customers, uh, Kristen said before, and, you know, we read things, or Matt, you said it, read things and like, oh yeah, I'll get this. And I mean, it's going to work, right? Yeah, kind of 75% except for this instance and that instance. And that's where the integrator comes in. Yeah, we're going to think about those instances because we're field learners. We learn as we implement and we see we're like mad scientists and we experiment. So we see all those gotchas and we log it down, take notes, remember it, incorporate it in our repertoire. And never do that again, <laughs> so, you know, to make sure it works. I love it. Frankie, um, bring us home. Do, do you want voice in a hotel room? Oh, well, listen, Matt, I spend well over 100 nights a year in a hotel room. So That's why I asked you the question. <laughs> the, more, the more things that they can put in hotel rooms, the better for me. Um, I actually, it's funny because I, I feel like I don't use Alexa that much at home. 
Um, I gotta be quiet because if she hears me, she's right there. Um, but it, if uh, I don't feel like I use it that much at home, but I, as soon as I get out of the home, I'm like, damn it, I really wish I had Alexa <laughs> to ask a question to. So I'm pretty, I was pretty pumped about it. As soon as I saw it, I actually sent uh, a note to my friends at LG too because they're they're pretty smart folks over there. They're getting, they get ahead of it, especially LG hospitality groups. They're, they they know what they're doing. They have a lot of market share. And, and hospitality. Um, we work very closely with LG, obviously being one of the, the larger display companies out there. Um, but we actually do work with them to try to get even more remote management capabilities for them through our through our device and our mm-hmm. control cloud. But one thing that you guys mentioned already is voice is just normal now. Like everyone's using it. I mean, you have you, you see little kids using it. I mean, my parents are almost 80 and they use it, right? It's crazy because they can't figure out how to get the voicemails changed on their cell phones, but they can figure out how to use voice. <laughs> so it, it's it's something that everyone's becoming very familiar with. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of fired up about it. We have uh, – Brightside has a, a bright voice solution to help trigger content. Now, we don't go – it doesn't worry about your world of, Matt, about security because ours isn't actually even have to be online. It's more – programmed at the heart of our player that we can actually control a few functions, right? We can program those not actually have to be online for it just to trigger content. It works well in healthcare and retail and a lot of other, uh, other area museums. Um, but everything is going to voice. So I thought it was a real smart move by LG getting ahead of it. And like I said, I mean, I get in my car, I get to a hotel, I feel like I need it more than I do even at home. So I was kind of fired up to see, and you mentioned something I didn't even think about. I could order wings, then I don't have to pick up the phone and talk to somebody. That's yeah. pretty badass. That, that's the only side I'm excited for. <laughs> <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, let's wrap it there. Thank you all for joining us. Kirsten, if people want to connect with you, uh, learn more about all the, all the fancy things you do, where can they find you? You can find me. I actually write a column for LG and Audinate these days. That's where you can find me. And I have a newsletter called Creative Stack. So... Excellent. Thank you so much. Frank, if people want to connect with you, learn more about BrightSign, where can they do that? Well, of course, LinkedIn is becoming the most popular avenue, I believe. And then uh, obviously on Twitter at Pisano Frank. Um, BrightSign's coming up with a new website here soon, too. So, but it's brightsign.biz. And um, look forward to connecting with folks. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Charmaine, if people want to connect with you, learn more about QSC, where can they do that? They can connect with me on LinkedIn, on Twitter, using my name exactly as it's spelled. And they can also email me at qscharmaine.torella at qsc.com. Awesome. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott and most other social platforms. I, I'm on LinkedIn too somewhere. Um, but more importantly, please visit aviation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of AV Week.